Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of Far Out Friends. Today we're talking about souls, soul families, and twin flames. Hope you enjoy. Far Out Friends! Hi guys, welcome to our second episode of Far Out Friends. Uh, we are recording during a thunder and lightning storm, <laughs> so this should be an interesting episode. If you hear big claps of lightning, just disregard that, and we may lose power at any moment, so it's an adventure. Um, this episode, we were thinking of starting off on the topic of souls and each of our individual ideas about souls. I feel like the soul is, um, a very common topic that people talk about and that's talked about in a lot of faiths. So it's always an interesting one to kind of discuss and see where everyone lands on it. Before that, do you want to talk about the trip you guys just went on? Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Dolly and I went on a cross-country trip for the last two weeks. Um, we went to Glacier National Park. We went to Yellowstone. We went to Tetons for a short time. And we went to uh, Rocky Mountains National Park. Um, but a lot of, it was mostly about the camping. It was mostly about the camping more than it was um, about like, you know, going to a park at some fancy resort kind of thing. It was very outdoorsy. Um, most nights we were surrounded by bears. Um, almost every night there were bears right outside of our tent. And we were immaculate with our anti-bear safety protocols. <laughs> but just for anyone thinking of camping in bear country, you don't know how people were in the campsite before you. And also bears, even though the rangers haze them, they're just trained to go, the whole campsite, the whole campground rather, smells like food. So yes. bears, no bears tried to get into our food box. No bears messed with our tent, of course. And no bears even like messed with our car where things were stored. At most, they sniffed around the picnic area. But I feel like people need to know that it's like a nine out of 10 chance that a bear will come right through your campground, walk around your tent, do all that stuff. Um, Scott slept wonderfully. Yes. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> when I'm tired, nobody can stop me from going to bed. Right. Um, that is my time. I don't care if there are bears or coyotes, wolves. If it's my time to sleep, I'm going to sleep. Right. Knowing all the while that I am up almost the entire night holding the bear spray, listening to these bears right on the other side of our rain fly, um, just pacing around our tent and sniffing around our picnic table. It's true. Um, sometimes calling to their young. We found out what a mother bear sounds like calling to her young and what the young sound like calling sound back. Like, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's like a honking noise. It's totally not what you would think bears sound like at all. But um, anyways, so that was, that was good. We saw wolves on our hikes, a little too close for comfort. Yes. Um, a wolf almost uh, slaughter a pronghorn deer. Right before us. Right in front of us. Again, these animals kind of came out of nowhere, and we found ourselves sort of in the crossfire. Um yeah. yeah, packs of coyotes. We never, stuff. we never saw any grizzly bears because we took a lot of good precautions on our hikes. On our hikes, right. yeah. No, because we were making noise and such, and and then we would go through an area, and we people would be like, "Oh, there were grizzly bears right in that valley," and we're like, "We didn't see any because we're going through like, <laughs> <laughs> you know." 
Yes, but it was it was a great trip hitting a lot of the big names. We also drove through Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Oh, true. I forgot yeah. about that. That was really beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, a lot of bison, a lot of elk in all of the parks. Um, you guys also picked up a hike, hitchhiker in Colorado? <laughs> Wyoming. Uh, Northern Wyoming. Wi Northern Wyoming. <laughs> Roger. Roger. Um, Roger was a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the nights when I kind of threw in the towel and I was like, I'm not doing this whole bear thing tonight, um, I went to try to sleep in the car and heard scurrying in the back seat. And a night when I thought I was finally going to get sleep, I was actually on the brink of tears. I came out of the car and I was like, because I, I hadn't slept the night before. I hadn't slept for multiple nights before. And I'm like, I just, I need sleep. And I got in the car. I was warm. I was comfortable. I had the chair reclined. My sleeping bag was all set up. And I was like, wow, this is so peaceful. And then I hear freaking Roger. And I come out. I'm like, Scott, there's a mouse in the car. <laughs> I'm like, there's some rodent in our car, Scott. And there was, um, we did catch him a couple of days later with a humane trap, but Roger hitchhiked from a, a field in Wyoming all the way to the Rockies in Colorado. <laughs> um, That's further than most mice make it. Oh yeah, he made first. it out of his small fields. Yeah, you know, they said he couldn't do it, but he did. I gave him a name in hopes that it would relax the situation a little bit because there was a mouse in my car. <laughs> Um, let alone the fact that it's not good for your car to have mice in it, but just at a, like, there's a pest in the car and we're all trying to sleep, I was like, we'll name him Roger. And the issue was, yeah, like, as, like, it was almost time to, like, get rid of him, um, we had a humane trap, and, um, yeah, letting go of Roger was really sad. We gave him a name, we had, like, a whole story of who he was and what kind of person he was like. And we finally let him go. It was very, very sad. It's like I you know, can't go to college, you know? Yeah. We made sure he would write to his mother, let his mother know, you know, I'm in, I moved to Colorado. It's a big wave nowadays to go to Colorado. And um, I told yeah. his mother he was completely safe and it was a pleasure. <laughs> Roger. Um, yeah. But it was very funny that one of the nights when for once a bear didn't keep me up, it was the exact opposite, which was a tiny field mouse. Um, I did not sleep in the car that night with Roger. I risked it with the bears. <laughs> I did not sleep. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just really wonderful. And you know, for me at least, it, was, it really got me in the headspace of, do I wanna do this for the rest of my life? And that's still being discussed in my mind today. One of my favorite parts, and I know we'll we'll move on quickly because we can probably sit and talk about the past two and a half, three weeks for a while. But one of my favorite parts was when me and Scott would be at like the peak of this mountain with this beautiful panoramic view and we're like taking pictures of it. We're taking pictures of each other because usually Kaylee is the one who takes pictures of the friends and everything. And since Kaylee couldn't come with us on the trip, in the very beginning, Scott and I were like, okay, we need to make an effort to take pictures of one another because I want pictures of myself. He wants pictures of himself. So we need, we had to try to play photographer. Um, it kind of worked out. But so we'd be taking pictures of each other and then people would come up to us and be like, oh, do you guys want a picture together? And immediately both of us would be like, no. <laughs> 
No. Why would we want that? No. <laughs> Couple of times. Selfie? No, we we each other would like we would like take yeah. silly selfies sometimes. Okay. We have like two or three. Well, I missed you guys a lot. It was yeah. a rough two weeks without you. Uh, <laughs> never, never leave me. We um, I mean, I really noticed the importance of the balance that you bring to our friend group. Um, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. That makes me feel good because <laughs> I missed you guys a lot. Yeah. I am glad to be back. I'm glad to be back with my dogs. They miss me very much. <laughs> and Kaylee. <laughs> and I missed you guys. Um, I had to work, but I needed the time alone for reflection purposes. Yes. Um, segue into souls and soul families. Um, Dahlia, do you want to start with your definition of souls? Oh, we're jumping right into it. Oh, gosh. This is a really hard one, and I feel like every time I think about it, it might alter a little bit what my definition of a soul is. Okay, so I'm going to use imagery to describe it. So, I overall, I think of everything as one universal consciousness, right? One um, collective consciousness. Some people call it spirit, some people call it source, some people call it God one energy right all is one obviously i don't understand when people don't know all is one <laughs> it is it, you can scientifically like you know esoteric talk out of the way you can scientifically explain how all is one anyways <laughs> um but i think of it this way where you know if you have um the the single energetic life force of the universe as like a uh like a tub of cookie dough. And if you like take a ball of that cookie dough and you roll it and you put it on a cookie sheet and you're like making batches of cookie dough balls and then you can take those balls and like mush it back into the tub of cookie dough. I feel like one cookie dough ball is a soul. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. And I think maybe each cookie dough ball might go through its own unique quote unquote separate experience but at the end of the day, it's made up of the same essence as the one. It returns back to the one. And although some cookie doughs might go through different kinds of batches, it's never quite separate in the long run. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I think that souls are pieces of the, um, the source energy, I'll say that is in an infinite cycle of dividing and coming back together and dividing and coming back together because what do they say like the universe is itself manifesting to experience itself right what how do they say that do you know what i'm talking yeah. about yeah we're just experiencing the universe experiencing itself yeah, yeah yeah something like that um yes so although i do think that souls have their own unique karmic path and incarnation cycle which is other topics that we can get into later um at the same time we are never disconnected from the collective consciousness yes right so yeah we're never truly separate but it's almost like fingers on a hand right yeah that's my analogy i was gonna say I very much agree with Dahlia, and my definition of souls is very similar. Like, I feel like we are part of a universal body, the collective right. consciousness, but we're really fingers. Mm -hmm. And 
some fingers are closer than others. One's on a totally different hand, but they're all part of the same body. And the tricky thing is when we think we're the glove instead of the finger, mm -hmm. that's kind of where the ego comes into play. And a lot of people do believe that they're their body instead of their actual soul. So that's the glove analogy, but we're all just fingers. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what the soul is, is that specific bunching of consciousness, which I think can be dissolved into the greater consciousness, or it can choose to stay separate to learn different karmic lessons. Mm -hmm. And if I can just add in talking about you can be part of the collective or you can maintain this kind of um, frequency of separateness, I feel like, and this is also something that I think we want to talk about as we get more into it, but levels of um, consciousness and which almost like channel you're tuning into because you can tune into different consciousnesses because to me, and that's also kind of speaking about different dimensions, if you will, because there's the human the human ego and that perception, which is its own level of consciousness. And then there's the soul astral level. And then there's larger levels and other consciousness collections that you can tune into that encompass more and more, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I have a, so mine's essentially the same um, with, with some other stuff. I think that the, Oh, how do you begin? So the soul, okay, so the human mind um, has a history of um, separating things and identifying things as individual things. To me, um, a soul, I think that, yeah, consciousness is universal, just like the hand analogy. I think that our minds, since we can't really comprehend that it's all one hand, we do have a way of like, encapsulating one as a separate, which is something that we've already kind of discussed. Um, but I also see it as less of a hand with fingers, but more like a big, big pile of sand. I believe that when a person um, is to pass away and be reborn, I'm a firm believer that the sand has a way of scattering. And so 1% of my soul can go to a rock, you know, 0.5% can go to this plant and so forth. Um, but I think in essence, that is me is whatever those grains of sands, like wherever they end up going will have somewhat my essence. And I do believe that certain, if a person's reborn um, and their body and heart and soul really encapsulate a lot of the same grains that came from me, that that would be um, a person who would have a very close connection to me. So do you believe that you're your mind? And that it dies with you? Um, it depends on which me I'm talking about. <laughs> like, do you think your soul resides in your mind? Because in that theory, then your your soul your your essence and collective consciousness that yeah. you're in right now would die with your mind and then your source life energy would go elsewhere i think the source of your essence goes different places i think i'm my i think i'm my hands i think i'm my feet so if my foot if that turns into a butterfly then that butterfly is partially me so it wouldn't it wouldn't go specifically to my mind 
I think whereas I might consider the soul to maintain its own cookie dough essence, like its own ball, Scott uh, in each lifetime believes that it scatters and reforms each time. Yes. I don't think that a soul is a concrete thing that passes from lifetime to lifetime. I don't think it is a solid object like that. Okay. I think it is a much more like a big pile of sand and some sand goes some places, some sand goes other places. I feel like I have to sit with that for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we chose this topic because we know that we all have slightly different opinions on this. And I think we all subscribe to the idea of reincarnation, that you do come back in some form or another. Yeah. Scott just believes that it's not really the same. It's very essence. complicated. I see no separation between the body and the soul and everything else. I think it's all one. Interesting. So I don't think we are our bodies or our minds. Like, I think there's a third thing outside of those two things, which is our essence, our soul, our like life source, our specific grouping of consciousness that we move through the universe in without our bodies and our minds. So I think you have the option to do what Scott said, where you can come back as a collective energy and just go back to the primordial soup, so to speak, or you can incarnate again as a soul. And that's where past lives come into, where it's like you remember your past lives because that's something you experienced in this soul form. Does that make sense? It does, but also I sometimes wonder if your past lives are less specific to an individual soul and more just tapping into the parts of the collective experience that are relevant for the current karmic lessons that you're learning. Yeah. And I think at some point it doesn't really, there's no difference between the two yeah. because everything is happening in the present. So even if you Bad do tap into your past <laughs> lives, it's all happening right now. So there's no that's, separation between past true. lives and what's happening right now. I think where my brain keeps going back to is to think of it kind of like a brain where I think sometimes I get a little caught up in, it's funny because in the beginning I was like, it's all one, but I still get caught up in isolating and, and dividing up like how Scott was saying, like our brains do. And so I get caught up in like Kaylee's linear incarnation cycle, Scott's linear incarnation cycle, my linear incarnation cycle. And you're like, wait, but is that my past life or your past life? And, you know, where is my, like, ancestral line of souls, etc.? But it really is all just one universal body. So we really are kind of just, like, neurons bouncing around in one brain. And I'm like, wait, was that my neural path or your neural path? But you're on my neural path, but that's my neural And it really doesn't matter. I think it is just going back and tapping into this collective consciousness. Agreed. I think we all, um, I think everyone's past life is everyone's past life, but I do think that some people resonate a lot more with specific ones, and that's like a different kind of worms in itself, yeah. which goes with karma and stuff like that. You know, what I also think though, and I'm not even quite sure how to explain this, but I think it was Caroline Miss, Miss Mice, Mice, uh, Mice Caroline yeah. Mice, um, who she, I was listening to one of her talks and she and a couple of people have said this, but I remember I was listening to her and she said, you know, we're all one, but we're all separate also. 
and it's it's simultaneous and the the paradoxical principles it like because our brains are like well if we're all one that implies a certain set of principles and how this functions but if we're all separate then that implies a different set of principles and it can't exist at the same time because that's a paradox but that's also just within the limitations of our human brains and i really do think that when I find myself being confused, because I'm like, no, but we are all one. But there is also this, you know, but there is this separateness and there is a linearity to our individual quote unquote past lives. And I think that it's both at the same time. Like, I think that all the different concepts we just voiced are all true and they're all happening at the same time <laughs> we've discussed that like uh with like different channels it depends on how closely you look or like if you're saying at this angle or that angle yeah. that the behavior kind of changes a little bit and there's yeah. a certain narrative happening ram das talks about this where there's you know the human narrative and there's the astral narrative then there's the causal narrative and mm -hmm. all of that stuff what channel you're tuning into um he also says that you're you're experiencing the trauma that was done to you, but you're also creating the trauma. Right. So it's almost like a karmic dance where you're the lion hunting the deer and you're also the deer being hunted by the lion. And the two past lives and the trauma all mix as one because they're simultaneously happening at the same time. So, so living in a paradoxical system, that's where we are, you know, it's, black and white but it's all gray at the same time right which is kind of kind of hard to wrap your head around sometimes you really can't sometimes your brain can only do so much that's true <laughs> you know yeah that being said i do believe in soul family and mm -hmm. soul groups and that is like the people that you choose to incarnate with and i really do think as far as souls go it's really just the collective consciousness that is closer to you almost like the fingers of the hand there are the other fingers that are on the same hand your soul group you cut from the same fabric yes yeah, yeah. pulled that, from yeah. the same lump of cookie dough kind of thing <laughs> yeah um i agree and so this is kind of getting into fun things that talk about um the astral narrative but things like soul plans your blueprint for your incarnated life making soul contracts soul mates i love talking about soul mates because i feel like the media has kind of um created this narrative about what we mean when we say soul mates but you know and that your soulmate is this one you know meant to be person for you often romantic um when really we have like a million and one soulmates <laughs> we do um some stick around more than others but do we I feel like I kind of just want to talk about what, yeah, soul families are, what soul contracts are, what soul mates are. Mm -hmm. And I really think before we incarnate, we want to learn a specific set of things. So like in this lifetime, I know that my journey is a lot about learning boundaries. So I went, before I came down, I was like, okay, you you're gonna test my boundaries. You, you're gonna inspire me to set those boundaries and we're just gonna do this play and setting the scene and it, it feels real. It's real on this plane. So it's like you are learning the lessons through doing it. And you come into this lifetime with the souls that you've, in, you've chosen 
to incarnate with to learn those lessons. And those are the souls that are soulmates, uh, twin flames, <laughs> and your biological family a lot of the times. The way that I have understood it to be <laughs> is, this is basically me gonna be reiterating like what you just said, but it's like there, and this is going back to the idea of an individual soul with specific karma that they have to work out. And this is existing as an energetic being on a higher frequency than this current realm that we're humanly experiencing. So this is kind of tuning into a higher consciousness into the astral realm, right? Where you are this energy being, you are a soul body, if you will, which you can see almost as just a different kind of species, as a different organism. They're a being existing at a different frequency that hold different understandings of the universe, right? Scott might have other opinions. Mm -hmm. Um, but the way I see it is, you know, you basically, if, if I'm me floating in my, you know, purple dimension as my energy being, and I have my, uh, team of, you know, maybe spiritual guides, spiritual advisors, counsel counselors, whatever. And we kind of create a blueprint for what I want my human incarnation to be. And that's in alignment with the main karmic lessons that I need to learn and continuing to learn. It's like being human, incarnating as human or as an animal, as a plant, as whatever else um, on another planet. However, whatever my soul essence is going to go into and merge with, um, it is for like a karmic plan, right? And then that's when we start linking up with other soul bodies. And I can say, you know, Kaylee needs to learn boundaries and I need to learn, um, you know, self-worth and self-empowerment. And in a way, our lessons, Kaylee has things that she can teach me and help push me along in my journey. I have things that I can help push her along. And we say, hey, we could help each other out. Let's make a contract and, you know, we will plan our blueprints overlaying with each other in this way right yes i agree i've seen a lot like um and i don't i'm not as good at, with plants as you are but there are plants in this world that need each other yeah right okay <laughs> so, <laughs> that's kind of my hunch uh, obviously so i kind of see soul family almost like if there were three plants that were very close to each other in the same forest and they all kind of required each other in order to grow symbiotic relationship yeah um now at that level it's very obvious that the plants need each other because they're rooted in the same ground and they exist right next to each other and you know it's so obvious to how they work with each other i think humans are like very complicated versions of that okay so <laughs> so we need each other just the same way but ground just the same way but it's just a lot more complicated right. Yeah. yeah, and anyone, this is in my opinion, anyone who you make a soul contract with is a soulmate. Yes. Yeah. And that can be somebody you pass on the street. Right. It can be like a two second interaction. I don't know if you've experienced this, but like having a small interaction with somebody can really change your life. Mm -hmm. It really can. It can be five seconds. It can be an animal. Yes. Um, it could be a, a plant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for some of us. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, there, so we have so many soulmates that pass through. And sometimes 
uh, typically soulmates are here. They do come into our lives to be a catalyst to activate us in some way. Sometimes that's um, a really intense relationship, you know, that activates you in certain ways. Um, other times it is just a stranger passing on the street. Other times it's best friends, far out friends, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> um, Thanks, lots plug of, right, plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, lots of things. So soulmates are a little bit a dime a dozen of you. <laughs> they are, they are. Um, I also, going back to kind of souls and, and reincarnation, because I feel like you touched on this a little bit, I love the idea of egg theory. Have you heard of the egg theory? No. Okay, it's based off of a short story where basically um, this man dies and he gets to heaven and God sits him down and says, hey, you know, that was a really hard lifetime. You know, your wife left you, your kids hated you, and you learned resilience. But I really think you need to open your heart more and learn the meaning of true love. So I'm going to send you back in time as a Chinese man mm -hmm. in 300 BC. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of that is to become like God, to learn what God knows through incarnating. And that goes back to we're everybody that we encounter all at the same time, mm -hmm. but we're all um, just experiencing the same thing simultaneously. Right. I think I've heard of that theory, actually. Yeah, the egg theory. Yeah. Yeah, that's heard what they call that. yeah. it. Yeah, it's like we're all in a cosmic egg. Oh, well, yeah. And it's also that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's also that we are all the same person, just yeah. in different timelines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, I've always believed that, definitely. I'm excited to talk about Twin Flames because I know we all have different opinions about this. Um, so Dahlia, you start with your Twin Flame idea. Well, let me define what a Twin Flame is yeah. for those listeners who don't know. Um, this is a highly debated spiritual topic where basically uh, the idea of a Twin Flame is, it, this is going back to the idea of um, a soul body, right? They're talking about the soul as a single energetic being. Um, and that the soul is incarnating and develops and its energy kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger until for maybe you know why. I'm not entirely sure why, but it uh, for one reason or another splits in half and basically becomes two halves of this one soul body. And both halves kind of become um, polarities of one another. Um, and they incarnate separately until they are ready karmically to come back together and merge into this highly ascended kind of like, um, you know, larger consciousness being. And honestly, I personally, um, I don't say, no, that's not a thing. I don't say that it is a thing. I know people that, you know, are convinced that they've met their twin flames i know people that think that it's total bs i th i don't really know i think that it is plausible that for some people's karma i don't understand it but like why wouldn't it be part of maybe someone's karma that their soul splits in that way sure you know that's not all that different than um scott's idea of you know a scattering effect of energy um, and it coming back together. So I'm kind of indifferent towards the uh, towards the topic. Um, I'm kind of like, sure, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think 
the lesson behind splitting your soul is so that you can learn different the same lesson from different perspectives yeah and that it's almost like a quickening where you can learn these lessons a little bit faster i don't like the idea of twin flames at all like i very much think it's possible because i think anything is really possible like i won't deny anything but i think it's a lot more rare than people make it out to yes. be and i don't think that your soul's purpose is finding your twin flame all the time like i think that for very specific people their their karma is to find their twin flame but i don't think it should be your total focus and i feel like a lot of young people especially are like i think i found my twin flame <laughs> like this person i love them so much they're my twin flame and i'm like oh, like you need you need to work on yourself first like i know this person's exciting and you love them very much but if you don't do the work on yourself this person isn't going to stick around like you both need to heal on a certain level so you can meet at a higher vibration than just oh i really love this person like it feels almost like a gimmick and i also don't like the idea of people not being whole within themselves mm. like i think that's a dangerous idea i think we all are whole and healed and we don't need another person to heal i think it's one way of healing but i don't think it's the way so I think Twin Flames, although it's possible and I know it happens, I don't think it should be the end, end all be all goal of your life. I feel like Twin Flame is like the new token term for soulmate, where like society, again, usually uses the word soulmate as like the, the, the your other half, the one that's destined for you. And now the new term is like, your twin flame also but i feel like people who use it in that way also don't entirely understand the concept of twin flame because when you read about it the moment apparently when you reunite with your twin flame it's incredibly challenging and difficult and painful and can be really toxic because it's literally your mirror mm -hmm. and it's it's like you know nothing but intensely spiritually challenging and again apparently you don't meet your twin flame until it's your last human incarnation mm -hmm. um where most people that i know it is not their last <laughs> human incarnation you know and like i like kaylee said i think that it is much more rare i think that it's possible i don't think i have met someone where i you know they had a twin flame um I, again i've met people that say they've had a twin i don't know it's it's you know it's sketchy area i'm kind of just like mm, maybe and then i kind of move on from the topic <laughs> i agree with a lot with um what kaylee was saying earlier in that like i i think it's best for a person to recognize that you're whole on your own mm -hmm. and that like i think i think what's difficult is and i think this is a more recent cultural thing too I think that in searching a partner who completes the second half of you can be very dangerous because when they leave you, you fall on your side, <laughs> you know? And so I think, I think a good partner is someone who resonates with you and, you know, maybe like, I don't know, brings out a certain part of you. But I, I, I think that, um, the idea of people being two halves is, um, I don't know. It doesn't feel right to me. Um, let alone, this is something that I think you guys might disagree with, <laughs> is that Homo sapiens, the animal that we happen to be incarnated as right now, 
Um, do not um, usually date in pairs, historically speaking. At least if you look back, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. Um, this is a very recent cultural thing. So I wouldn't think that, I think this sounds like a human thing. The yeah. pairs thing. Yep. I also, I don't see how it's any different than soulmates. Where, like, it's, if we're all part of this bigger soul and we're all just pieces of the soul, then why is it so special that one person comes from like the other half of you? You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, it feels almost too easy, too perfect. And I haven't encountered that. And, and I think some people really have encountered that and I don't deny their experience at all. But for me, it sounds like a cop out where it's like, oh, we're happy and we ride off into the sunset. And that's how people use that. But I know it's a little bit more complicated of like, they do trigger a lot of what needs to be healed and it's not an easy relationship and it does come with struggles, but it's this union together that makes it worth it. And I guess I really resonate with what Ramdas says about having a divine partnership and the two of you realizing that this love connects you to the divine love of the universe rather than feeling like you need to take and take and take from your partner it's like okay you are something that activates love within myself and i activate a feeling of love within you i also think that if your hopes is to meet somebody and join and become one i have great news for you <laughs> we were always one from the start <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so like yeah you did it <laughs> <laughs> you did it <laughs> yeah. yeah you know and that's one of the funniest like um lessons I feel like some of the lessons that will come to me over time are the simplest ones that you know but then they sink in even deeper where I remember I had this like profound like spiritual experience where the main lesson were it, it was like these beings they were speaking to me and it was amazing and they were really like uh you don't need to try so hard <laughs> to feel connected to the universe to feel like you're this divine being and you're doing all the spiritual things and you're doing this and that and you're destroying all the stuff in your ego and you're healing trauma because you're trying so badly to feel that feeling of what it means to be one with the universe and to recognize your divine being they're like you already are <laughs> they're like you are one with the universe how you're feeling right now is it like you think that it's going to be this big ecstatic feeling but that's really just your projections on what you think it's going to be right now you're a human being so you're experiencing the human feelings human experience but you are one with the universe you are a divine being like you've done it there isn't anything else to do <laughs> and i remember feeling like both like ecstatic about that and also a little bit like oh my god what's the point <laughs> like like i felt like my my um quest was taken away from me but then i realized the point really is just to be here now <laughs> not, to, not to you know like take away copyright with Ram Das, but it really is just to experience to like just sink deeper into your roots deeper into the human experience just to mm -hmm. to be here now you know and be oh. grateful mm -hmm. for where you are i think as a society we place so much value on romantic love but there are so many different avenues of that that are equally as important like 
the love you have for your friends, the love mm -hmm. you have for your pets, <laughs> for oh your God. parents, familial love. I think all of it is just as valid. And there's this huge pressure that we place on ourselves to be in love with the right person. Like the one, I found the one, I'm searching for the one. And it's like, yeah, that's great. It's nice to have somebody who loves you and you love them. And it's this whole single flow of energy. But I think it's equally as important to tap into the love that you have in your life now. Like, I'm so grateful for the love that you guys give me and I'm able to share in that, that I feel like it's so much deeper than any romantic relationship I've ever been in, you know? I remember, uh, I remember not too long ago, I'm gonna bring this up again, because <laughs> I, I brought it up to you guys before, where I was thinking back on, you know, uh, I have some friends, you know, I, I was I was reflecting on the people that I know who are, you know, in their 20s, but they've been in a relationship for like almost 10 years now. And I'm like, wow, how lucky are some people to have like met the one when they were like 14 or when they were like 15 and, you know, they grew and developed together and like still work together and that's so lucky, you know, people who find that so young. And then I was like, you know, I have found incredible, incredible divine friendship that brings me so deeply into myself and so deeply into the experience of love. That, that's what I was going to say is you touched on this, but being attached to the method rather than what it's actually giving you. And we're so attached to the the person when really what the person is doing for you is connecting you to divine love you know and we want to take 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 from the person but it's really our focus should be shifted on just honoring and being in gratitude for being in this state of love and i realize like my friends really do that for me and it doesn't have to be romantic love and i had texted these guys <laughs> being like you know, you guys really, I realized today that I did find true love at a young age. I'm so lucky to be so young and to have found this. And they were like, stop, Dahlia, gosh, this is so gross. And I'm like, you know what, forget you guys, I'm gonna get out of here. Fast forward like two months, we're like, we're just a little behind Dahlia. We're yeah. like, Oh my goodness, I love you guys so much. Yeah. <laughs> Two months later, they're like, we really found like a true divine love with each other. I'm like, F you guys. <laughs> you shamed me for this before. <laughs> oh, I, think, I think something that's really um, interesting to talk about is how I think that um, in a human lifetime, we see things in stages and we grow up with it. You know, like you're like a little kid, you go to a teenager, you're an adult. You know, like way up the ladder. Um, but I think the thing that's really funny to me is that we don't recognize that we're all the same age and that might seem kind of silly at first, but if you look, in a purely scientific standpoint, right? We had the Big Bang and that happened at one time. We are all products of the Big Bang. We're all the same age, <laughs> you know? And so this whole idea that we have to get somewhere or we need to become something, um, we're all kind of in the same boat wherever we are. And so it's good to appreciate what you have and what you're going through because you're literally at the latest stage you could possibly be at right now. As well as we wonder about, you know, this goes back to the twin flame thing, 
that wanted to come together or, you know, whatever. And it's funny because, yeah, like we said, we already, we're already together. My cat Mitten is scratching at her post. <laughs> um, we're ultimately one, yes, but we do have something that we call being separate. There is like a thing that we call being separate. For instance, like I am definitely a separate body from Kaylee and Dahlia. Um, now this wasn't always the case. There was a time where we all were the same horse. Um, we were one horse and then we came back apart again. So something to recognize too when it comes to twin flaming, sometimes you come together, but it's very common to come back what we call apart. And that's an ongoing process. So if your end goal is to become one forever, I have bad news, I feel like that things have kind of a motion of waving like this. Right, everything is changing all the time. Yes, but we are fundamentally one in either case, but what we, we call are being all separate. made from the stuff of stars. What is that? <laughs> I think I said that wrong, but you get the point. No, I think that's how it goes. Um, I would even argue though, because you're saying you're obviously separate from us, but I know me and me and Scott have talked about this where if you zoom in, it really just is atoms vibrating and there is no clear line. And so to me, I think in our human brains, what distinguishes separateness is just it, it's all about circulating around the brain and in our Western culture being obsessed and putting the brain on a pedestal because it's really that my brain, my neural network extends to these atoms and the atoms that it does not extend to, that it doesn't control, is separate from me. When actually we're all just one bundle of atoms and it's our brain trying to understand, I can quote unquote control these atoms, but this candle flame in front of me, my brain does not have dictatorship over that candle flame. Unless you're doing some pyromancy, you know? <laughs> you saw me trying to control the flame right. with my eyes. <laughs> But um, I would say that it's not so obvious that, you know, there's Scott's body and my body. It's I feel like that's very, like, brain-centered. It really, really, really is just one body. And to, this might be segueing the conversation a little bit, but I am so big into emphasizing how us and Mother Earth, <laughs> us and the Earth Mother, exact same body. Like we came from the earth and yes, we are like walking around her surface and everything, but it is no different than cells in our skin. Like we are just cells part of the universal body. The earth is is maybe like a, a larger cell tissue, part of the larger universal body, but we are completely one with the earth body. We There's nothing in us that we could have that is separate from her just like how there's nothing there's no dna or gene that i can have that is completely foreign that my parents didn't have right i got everything from my parents in some form or another we got everything from the earth which this is branching back to consciousness but i, I just need to put this out there <laughs> is that even just our capability as humans to hold what we call awareness or consciousness, intelligence, right? What we separate, from, quote, in our intellectual way, how we separate us from rock is we think that the rock is any less aware than us. Right, we have no minerals in us whatsoever. Right, but our ability to hold consciousness is literally, we had to have gotten that from the earth because we came from the earth. 
which means that that was a gene in a way that she gave us. And so I don't know how people <laughs> think that the earth isn't conscious because it's like saying, oh, I got this genetic, you know, I got blue eyes, but neither of my parents have blue eyes. There's no gene. There's a totally random foreign gene that was given to me. And they're like, no, you had to have gotten that somewhere in the line. And that ability to hold consciousness, really, it came from the earth. We are the earth body. And the earth is the universal body. Going back to we are all one thing. And also, like, take it even further. It's like, I think a lot of people think that consciousness, again, is like brain stuff. But yeah, like what we think is consciousness is like, oh, consciousness means you can see through a pair of eyes and you can talk and you can think. And that's just a very complicated form of consciousness. And so that's something to really focus on. Like a rock doesn't actually, well, to the best of our knowledge, <laughs> a rock on its own, your ordinary standard rock, <laughs> actually emphasizing these things so I know how these things get complicated. A rock. <laughs> no more rock. <laughs> they don't usually look around like, uh, it's raining. I wish it was not raining right now. Passing judgments. Passing right. judgments. Or they're like, looking at someone walking down the street, like, I wonder what he's up to. Like, they don't really do it like that. They're more like, rock. That's that's their consciousness. They're like, rock. <laughs> we think. But it's, but it's also like, but, you know, we don't want to overlook, like, how powerful and authentic that consciousness is, though. Mm -hmm. Because all we are is just a complicated pile of that. I think so. that our our senses and our ability to think and all that stuff, what most people associate with consciousness, is really just the function of the human brain. It is just our human bodily function, just the way that our heart beats and pumps blood, our lungs take in air, our brain is a problem solver, and our brain says, okay, this is what I have control of, that's fire, that's hot, that's this, that's that, and it helps get us through the day. That is literally just the, the physical bodily function of our brain. That has nothing to do with, even, even the ability to store memories, to hold emotions, that's all hormones, that's all a physical process. Um, that has nothing to do with awareness. Um, which is behind the thinking mind. And I even, and you know, I distinguish what, this whole time we've been using consciousness, but if we want to get technical, the proper term that I would use is awareness. Consciousness is something else, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where I think of consciousness as like this, consciousness comes before energy itself, right? And then energy is born out of consciousness and energy is made aware. And that's when you get the first um, kind of thing, right? <laughs> you so know? Consciousness is the energetic atoms. No, consciousness comes before all of that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because energetic atoms, you already have energy and polarities and a form of awareness in that. Okay. I get that. 100%. You're 100% on the same page. <laughs> on the same page. We started to have this this conversation the other day, um, but we were talking about uh, celestial bodies and planets as their own souls incarnating in their own karmic path. What are your thoughts? Our thoughts?
I think the earth has its own karmic cycle that it's going through and we're just on top of the earth and she has her own soul. Yes, I think that our human bodies, again, are completely part of the earth body, um, but our souls have chosen to make a soul contract with the earth and interact with her incarnating in I think the so <laughs> I I I believe I feel in my heart center <laughs> that the earth being a larger uh collective consciousness right collective awareness if you will I'm going to say consciousness for the sake of shorthand um has the ability to hold within her other consciousnesses other beings so I really do believe that she is her, her own celestial being incarnating as the earth. And one day our planet earth will die, break apart, whatever. Her life cycle is very different than ours. And then she will incarnate into something else. And part of her karma and incarnation is to hold the space and hold the bodies for other souls to come and incarnate into her because for my soul being to incarnate into a human body my soul being is incarnating into the earth's body she's mm. like holding many beings inside of her and i don't think that i wouldn't rule it out that we even in our human forms are able to do that as well well we are because we're part of the earth so we are holding many souls in us right now I think if you took a person, that makes sense. It does. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I think if you have a person that we're gonna, yeah, continue using the word consciousness. If I have one consciousness, if you split me in half, which would be not probably the best idea, but <laughs> if you split me in half, I would be two consciousnesses. If you split those in half, you'd have four. Yeah. That go on forever. But if you put it all back together, the main consciousness, the two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, however four, those all continue to exist individually as well. In the same way with the earth, you have one solid earth and everything that includes the earth, which includes us, and we are our own consciousnesses as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that there are certain channels that you can tune into where you can tune into a certain frequency where um, it's kind of it's kind of like listening to a symphony, right? And you can tune out the other instruments and listen specifically to the percussion. You can listen specifically to the strings. And then you can maybe zoom out a little bit and listen to, uh, you know, maybe like a couple of sections together at once. And you can zoom out and out and out until you're listening to the whole symphony at once. I think that you can uh, exist just, a, you know, I can exist just as human Dahlia, just me. And I can kind of tune out. And in order to do that, I have to consciously or unconsciously tune out the rest of the sounds happening around me. Then I can zoom out and connect with the other consciousnesses and you can zoom out and out until you realize that you really are this being holding many consciousnesses inside of you kind of like an onion where yeah. when you go out one layer you're inherently holding the other layers inside of you it's not separate agreed agreed yeah hopefully uh listeners were able to follow along in this kind of spaghetti bowl of thought <laughs> Is that another analogy? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. We're all single noodles in a larger spaghetti bowl. I think we're all just one noodle. 
I think we're all the sauce, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening to our second episode. And I hope this at least uh, gave you food for thought. Spaghetti food. Don't get lost in the sauce. Don't get lost in the sauce. (laughs) And hopefully this expanded some ideas of what uh, you think of when you think of soul or soulmate. Because I feel like it's very vanilla, the media's ideas about it. So it can be pretty expansive, actually. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Far Out Friends. Leave us thoughts, comments, and topic suggestions in the comments below. Join our Farther Out Friends on Instagram at Farther Out Friends. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.